Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Good morning and welcome to the fourth day of my 12 Saints, 12 Days uh blog series, Substack series, uh, where I am profiling uh, 12 different soldier saints in scripture. Um, we kicked it off on All Soldier Saints Day with God, God's self, and how um, the uh, the church was once referred to as the Militia Day, the Soldiers of Christ, um, and in Hebrew, the Sabah Yehovah, and how that's not actually... It's not helpful to anachronize army and think that they were just waiting around for a fight, but rather army was the rank-and-file able-bodied men who were both counted on to fight, but also who represented their families and um, were organized into hosts or companies. Um, and then on the second day, I talked about Jesus as the divine warrior, how um, if God is a warrior, then He's a military brat. He spent his time in a military town. Um, and then uh, yesterday we kicked off with Luke 3, the earliest evidence of Christian soldiers who were baptized by John and affirmed by Jesus. And today we have one of my favorite um, soldier saints in Scripture, and that is a man I call Captain Marvel. And Captain Marvel may be, you know, may evoke... Um, the Avengers and the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, of which I'm a um, moderate fan. Um, but Captain Marvel is also a first-century Judean noble who commanded a hundred Herodian New Mary um, and who had so much faith that even made Jesus marvel. The word there is thaumatsu. Um, but before we get to that... Um, it's important to point out that we actually know a lot more about the military in the first century than a lot of Christian ethicists and kind of influential uh, celebrity Christians seem to indicate or care to know. And part of that is um, there's this hard and fast break um, at uh, from 66 to 70 AD when the temple is destroyed um, uh, by Titus under the first Jewish revolt. And before that time, 66 prior, during which only a couple of Pauline letters existed. No Gospels were written. Luke and Acts hadn't been written. Um, John and his letters and Gospels weren't written. Before that time, the soldiers hanging out around Judea, which was like a sub, it was like a an ancillary province uh, kind of underneath the province of Syria. And they had a governor um, who stayed in Caesarea Maritima. Um, at Jesus's, in, during his adulthood, that was Pilate, but it was, you know, it was others, right? We know Pilate existed. Um, and during that time, um, the soldiers in the area were mostly Numeri, which were um, uh, indigenous forces controlled by a political figure who was allied with Rome, in this case Herod Antipas in Galilee. 
He had his own military. He didn't have any auxilia forces in Galilee because he was a trusted friend of Rome. And so in Galilee, where um, Luke 7 and Matthew 8 occur, where we hear of the centurion of great faith, um, this uh, any soldiers they would have encountered there would have been Galilean. They would have been Judean Galilean. Uh, Galilee is a region within Ju- Judea. Um, in fact, as I mentioned in, I think, yesterday's post, the area was known as the District of Non-Jews or the District of the Nations, Galil Hagoyim. Um, and it was also the military area for Judah, at least in historically and theologically, I suppose. Um, and so any soldiers that Jesus and the disciples encountered in and around Galilee during their lifetime would have been these local soldiers. Um, dark-skinned, they would have been speaking Aramaic or another local dialect, and their commanders may have had to, well, numeri, it's probably unlikely, but above the numeri are the Roman auxilia. The auxiliary forces um, were commanded by Roman citizens of low status, uh, former criminals or slaves, something like that, who um, recruited local people with the in- incentive of a basic in, uh, you know, basic pay, food, um, stability, um, and Roman citizenship at the end of a 25-year term. So these auxilia were in, incentivized by Roman citizenship. Jews served in the auxilia. Um, there's even evidence that Jews served in the, uh, the legionari, the legions, um, or legionaries. Um, but the auxiliary troops would have been like those you see at Fort Antonia. And we'll talk about um, them probably tomorrow for... Longinus's um, post, but um, we know that this happens in Capernaum, in Luke 7 and Matthew 8. Uh, a soldier in Capernaum, a centurion in charge of a hundred men, um, has a servant who's ill and he asks Jesus to heal him, or he has Jewish elders ask to heal him. And the first thing we see is that there's this contrast set up between you um, Jesus and us, uh, and and them, you know the the soldiers. So we, it's uh, pretty, um, rel- you know, we can fairly we can be fairly certain that Captain Marvel is not Jewish, even though he is a Galilean. Um, Herod Antipas and the Herods were Eudemians who were kind of sort of Jewish. They weren't all well liked. Um, and um, so the uh, the man is not Jewish, but he is local, and that's common. Judea was actually a pretty diverse place. Jerusalem and the, the historic land of Judah, that was much more highly concentrated with Jews, but up in the district wasn't so much. Um, so the uh, this contrast is set up, this difference. He's also wealthy, so he's a noble and he also commands a hundred of Herod's men. Um, now, in the Roman system, uh, a centurion would be um, an enlisted person. But in Herod's army, a much smaller force, someone in charge of a hundred person, people would have been more, it's a, a larger proportion of that force, right? And he's probably an officer. You know, if he has a slave, He's an officer, even though in the Roman system, 
centurions were basically enlisted. You could rise from the very bottom of society up through the centurion ranks. But officers, you couldn't. You had to enter as an officer, the tribunes. Um, and so we know he's an officer and he has 100 men. And in contemporary terms, that would make him an O3 or a captain. So um, this captain of Herod, of Herod's army um, uh, comes to Jesus or has others come to Jesus and he says, you and I aren't so different. I have people under authority. I command soldiers, blah, 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 blah. And in each gospel account, Matthew and Luke, it uses the same phrase. We each are men under authority with soldiers underneath us. And Jesus doesn't deny this. Jesus has soldiers underneath him, whether that's all the soldier saints and all the saints, or that's the 12 legions of angels that he mentions at the Abbey of Gethsemane. So Jesus is also a military commander. Um, but he says, look, I'm not worthy. He sets up another heavy contrast between his lack of worth and Jesus's great power, exousia. Um, worth is... Um, uh, Machinos, I think, I can't remember now. Um, but there's these series of contrasts setting up this final uh, moment when Jesus is thaumatsoed or marveled or amazed. Um, and he is, Jesus is amazed because of this contrast. Captain Marvel is saying, look, we're so alike. I understand you. I think you probably understand me. But here's where we're different. You have all this exousia, power, um, authority, but I, I really don't. Like, mine is a sham. I command 100 men. Uh, you're, what you command is just so much greater. And that's what makes Jesus stop in his tracks and say, oh, shit, this guy. And again, back to the contrast. Nowhere in all of Israel have I seen such faith, such pistis. Um, and so these series of contrasts set up both a parallel, but a, this sharp, sharp contrast. And that's where Jesus says, look, this outsider, um, he gets it. And I've been running around through Israel and everybody else doesn't, doesn't seem to get it. Earlier in Luke, um, the last time Thaumatsu was used was when Jesus preaches from Isaiah 60 at his own hometown in Nazareth in Galilee. And the people are amazed. And then he says, oh, but the, the scripture has been fulfilled in your reading and you're going to turn on me and sure enough they do and they try and run him off a cliff and so in just a couple chapters earlier the people who turn on him had been amazed um, and then try and kill him now Jesus is the one who is amazed and someone is healed another contrast so Captain Marvel um, he there's no evidence that he was baptized um, but he does clearly confess Jesus as Lord, which is maybe not treasonous because he's not a Roman, but I'm, I'm sure Ant Herod Antipas wouldn't have liked to have heard it, but he's not a Roman. He's a Galilean, so he calls him Lord, which is just like, it's like saying sir, but it's more weighted than that. Um, he calls him Lord, I, you know, I, you are, you know much more than me and are more powerful than me. And it's a soft confession that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is curios. And so, again, he's not baptized, but he does confess Jesus is Lord, which historically has been one of a very few kind of entry requirements, if you will, 
into the church. And so I'm sure people could argue in other directions that he's not a Christian. That's fine. I claim that he is. He clearly confesses Jesus as Lord, and Jesus affirms us, saying, "There's, I haven't discovered this much faith in all Israel, and I, for one, don't really want to argue with God. Uh, so you can learn more about Captain Marvel in this morning's um, 12 Saints, 12 Days post at pewpew.substack.com. I'll also try and make a page on pewpewhq.com slash people slash marvel um, where you can uh, access not just um, the Pew Pew, uh, the Substack post, but also other uh, material, uh, biographies, etc. of him. Um, and I hope you'll continue listening. I know we're not doing the normal readings, um, but I'm you know pouring a lot of energy into this series, which I've actually really been enjoying. And I feel bad because you know the writing for God is a grunt had to kind of get compressed into researching and outlining as well. And so I'm actually discovering things now that I didn't discover when I was writing. Um, and I, I hope the publishers don't listen to this, but I'm coming up with more stuff that probably could have been in the book if we hadn't, if we hadn't rushed it. But anyway, I hope you enjoy it and you'll hear from me again tomorrow when we talk about Longinus. Thank you for falling into First Formation where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, Always family. Semper Familia.